Welcome to the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, Episode 86, The Field Where I Died, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. The Field Where I Died is Season 4, Episode 4. Original IMDb user score at the time I collated them all was 6.7 out of 10. It has recently risen to 7.0 out of 10, following the new surge of votes that came in with the 200 Days of the X-Files. The 6.7 out of 10 score that I originally had put it in a five-way tie for the fourth worst episode of the series. Uh, The good news is that we have now covered seven of the ten lowest-rated episodes. This episode originally aired on November 3rd, 1996, and most of the action takes place in Tennessee. The episode begins with a teaser of Mulder reading some Robert Browning poetry while standing in a field. Even then, the character is just standing, while it's Mulder's voice in a voiceover narration, actually reading the poetry. Not terribly compelling. The bulk of the episode is about an anti-cult task force that's been tipped off that a local cult has a bunch of illegal weapons stored. Mulder and Scully were brought in, asked to evaluate the supernatural claims of the cult leader. During the investigation, Mulder demonstrates an impossible level of knowledge, finding secret bunkers and things like that. And we also learn that the informant within the cult turns out to be one of the leader's wives. Debate exists about whether she has a dissociative disorder, aka multiple personality disorder, or whether she's experiencing past lives, with Scully thinking that it's either MPD or she's faking it, while Mulder is believing in a past lives. Scully does do some research and finds that everyone that Melissa describes from her past lives was a real person and accurately described, at least to the level of detail that Scully was able to discover. And when Mulder has both himself and the informant Melissa go under hypnosis, he also comes up with past lives that seem to indicate that Melissa is his soulmate, which is further evidence against the romantic relationship. It does, however, lead into some contradictory storytelling, as he claims that everyone around him was associated with him in these past lives, including a life that took place during the German Holocaust, where the cigarette smoking man was one of the German agents. Evil comes back as evil, yet the cigarette smoking man was alive, at least the character was, during World War II, which then begs the question of how he could be in multiple bodies at the same time. Ultimately, we have a rather tragic ending as the cult leader convinces the entire group of his followers to poison themselves. Now, behind the scenes, Writers Glenn Morgan and James Wong wanted to show off the cast of Space Above and Beyond that they were so proud of even after that series ended. So one of the first cast members that they brought over was Kristen Cloak, aka Mrs. Glenn Morgan. She plays Melissa, and this does a very good job of showcasing her range, but I feel it does so in a very forced way, and it turns Mulder and Scully into servants of the plot, rather than the driving forces behind it, which I ultimately find left it feeling rather unsatisfactory, just because the agents and the characters I tuned in to see didn't seem to do a whole lot of consequence. They were more observers than having any sort of agency or control. Now, in terms of the cast, aside from Kristen Cloak, guest star Michael Massey, who is also known for his work in Seven, for Lost Highway, and for The Crow, as well as playing the gentleman Gustav Fierce in The Amazing Spider-Man two movie parts. I guess it didn't quite make the trilogy. He is in here as the cult leader. Anthony Harrison is in here in his third and final X-Files appearance as FBI agent Riggins, following his appearances in Sleepless and Conduit. Doug Abrahams, who had guest shots in Man of Steel, Fantastic Four, Hot Rod, and Escape from Planet Earth, 
also does his final X-Files appearance in this episode. Now, he appeared in five episodes as five different characters in The Pilot, Genderbender, Die Hand der Verlitz, Hell Money, and now The Field Where I Died. Here he played Harbaugh. Donna White has had an okay career, 39 credits spread out over a little over three decades now, so about one job a year, mostly bit parts. She plays the therapist, and the episode was directed by Rob Bowman, whose strong sense of visual styles does help carry a lot of it. Even though I find the script doesn't grab me really in any way, shape, or form, this is a very pretty episode. I don't know if it's pretty, but it's the visuals are very careful and clearly planned and well-designed. Now, I don't know what this would have looked like in the original cut, because as it is, I do find the episode to be rather slow and rather drawn out, and they had to cut 18 minutes out, including two other personalities for Melissa, and apparently a large number of the appearances of her third personality, Lily, which is barely in this. It's just frankly not a very compelling episode, and one that is largely ignored by the rest of the series. That said, I do remember it had a lot of vehement supporters in the all.tv.xfiles newsgroup back when this was originally running. It does have its fans. I am not one of them. The IMDb scores would seem to indicate that most of us are not. Now, as for the science, what is the science behind past lives? Well, in order to have past lives and reincarnation be a viable possibility, we need to have souls. And every scientific attempt to discover the soul has failed. The closest anyone came was Duncan McDougall's study from 1907, in which he claimed that when people died, they lost about 21 grams worth of mass. He claimed that was the soul. Now, his methodology was to have dying people on a very sensitive weight scale, and he took six measurements. Now, this is very, very flaky. So if you actually dig up the study and go through not just the study, but the notes that were published in American Medicine in March 1907, according to the rationallyspeaking.blogspot.ca article that I've dug up, of the six data points, two he discarded as being of no value, two recorded a weight drop followed by additional losses later on, so it wasn't a consistent one, there was something else going on. One showed that the weight dropped, then climbed up again, and then dropped again. So there was something going on, either mass was being added to the body, or it was just shifting, as rigor mortis said in our whatnot, and caused it to move and register other values on the spring scale. And then the final data point was the one that actually produced the basis of the three quarters of an ounce drop. So you're looking at six data points, which is not statistically significant, only one of which supported the conclusion that was drawn. Even then, he concluded that it was the soul leaving because what else could it be? There are no other explanations. Yet the soul leaving doesn't explain the inconsistencies in the other data, including the multiple drops in weight from the other corpses. And he did claim that when he measured dogs, which he quite probably poisoned to do this study, they showed no weight loss. Now it was rebutted almost immediately by Dr. Augustus P. Clark in that same publication just in a later month that, you know, it was probably due to evaporation because when someone dies, the heart starts pumping, the blood stops circulating, and then without the blood going through the lungs and getting air cooled, the body temperature rises and we sweat. Dogs do not sweat, they pant, so they would not show the same loss in weight or mass for the same reasons. 
So the fact that he just drew this conclusion without really exploring other options and saying, oh, there's a drop in weight, therefore that's the soul, it was just a really poorly done paper. And as far as we can tell, nobody's ever tried to repeat it. So the science behind past lives depends entirely on the existence of souls, and that somehow souls can transfer from one person to another. At some point after death of one and before the birth of the other, there is no scientific basis for even describing a soul, let alone explaining how that mechanism can happen. So yeah, the science doesn't hold up in this one. Apologies to those listeners who depend on Johnny Depp films to gain their knowledge of science. That's about all I have to say about this one. The Field Where I Died is not one of my favorite episodes, as you can probably tell. We do have one of my favorite episodes of a different series coming up next week as a special where The X-Files is referred to by another series. So join us again next week for Trials and Tribulations, an episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Meanwhile, don't forget to rate this and any of the shows you listen to on iTunes, on Stitcher, on whatever podcatcher you use. It really does help the shows get noticed. Share the links with friends who you feel may be interested. Don't forget to check out our new Bedtime in the Public Domain podcast, as well as our other podcasts. Email and feedback can be sent to bureau42podcasts at gmail.com. And finally, thank you for listening.